peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You knew what to say when I said that, even though you could barely hear me. And the reason is because it's just like Pastor Elizabeth talked about a second ago. We do this every single Sunday. We call it the passing of the peace, where I say, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And you say, and also with you. And then we go around and we shake each other's hands for a little bit. And then Kristen starts playing the first hymn. And that's how everybody knows they're supposed to go back to their seats, right? Today, we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into exactly what we mean when we speak those words, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to do that, we're going to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 23 through 27. So let's listen for God's word to us this morning. Jesus answered, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the words that you hear are not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I've said these things to you while I am still with you. But the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace. I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray for the one who preaches for he has no voice and his sins are many. Let's pray. Holy and merciful God, may something of what I try to say and do May something of it, or at least something of what is seen, or maybe by your power heard of me this morning, may it not be of me, but be, be of you and your promises, the things you have done for us and the things you would have us do for you in our lives and in this, your world. In your holy name, we ask this. Amen. This happens once a year, by the way. It's always in the fall, and it's just a gamble on whether or not it happens on a Sunday. I think out of the seven years I've been here, it's happened three times on a Sunday. Here we are. Not too long ago, I came across a short story called Leaf by Niggle. And it's by J.R.R. Tolkien of Lord of the Rings fame. So Tolkien was a notorious perfectionist. And this little short story that he wrote is supposedly something of an allegory for how he understood his life and his life's work. So the story goes like this. There's an artist whose name is Niggle, and he sets out to paint a grandiose painting. He imagines a towering, beautiful oak tree set amongst a vast green forest and a backdrop of snow-capped mountains. And every day, Niggle gets up and he works on his painting. But Niggle is no Bob Ross. He isn't interested in quick and easy techniques that can be replicated. He wants his painting to be as real and alive as it possibly can. And so Niggle always pays enormous attention to detail. He's very passionate about it. And he'll often spend hours or even days just working to perfect one single leaf on his tree and his forest. 
Over time, Niggle makes progress on his painting. He paints a few leaves here, a brown branch there, but he has this problem. He keeps getting interrupted by life. He finds himself more and more consumed by daily basic tasks that everybody has to do. He has this neighbor who is always asking him for his help and because Niggle is a kind man, he always obliges. But every distraction only takes him away from his magnum opus, his true life's work, the thing he is proud of. And he starts to become frustrated with how little time he seems to have to finish what he has started, to finish his vision. Eventually, the time comes when Niggle is made to go on a long and unavoidable trip. And this is a journey that we might come to take as a metaphor for his death. And he has to leave his work unfinished. So his painting stays behind in his home abandoned. And after some time, someone comes along and needs the canvas as scrap to patch a roof, a hole in a roof. And Niggle's life, his life work, comes to be completely destroyed, all with the exception of just one single leaf. Beautiful, detailed, perfect leaf that he had, that he had painted. And when someone finds this beautiful leaf, they find it to be beautiful and stunning enough that they frame it and they put it in a museum. And underneath it, they title it Leaf by Niggle, which is where we get the name of the story. On the face of it all, it would seem like this is all that any of us could really ever hope for in life, right? You can pour your heart into accomplishing something, and if you're one of the lucky few, then maybe you get remembered by having your name somewhere in a museum on a plaque somewhere. But even then, whatever success you find, it ultimately ends up just being a little blip on the radar and there's, there's so much more that you leave incomplete. But Tolkien's story doesn't end in the museum. When Niggle ultimately gets to his final destination of his unavoidable journey, the first thing he finds in his new country that he now calls home is the grand, beautiful tree of his painting. It's set against the great green forest and towering snow-capped mountains. Here it is not just a painting, it's not just an image, but it is the real and living thing indeed, in detail, that Niggle could only once have dreamed of. In this new country, which I suppose we might take as a metaphor for the kingdom of heaven, he finds that his work, that he had been forced to leave unfinished, in the old country, has there already been made complete. Jesus says to you and to me this morning, peace, peace I leave you, peace I give to you. But it is not a peace that the world can give. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus says that he comes to bring peace. And surely this is good news, isn't it? Because the world 
could certainly use some peace, don't you think? Peace would be a divine gift to any number of war zones right now. In Israel, in Gaza, in Ukraine, and in many other countries throughout the world experiencing anything from war to unrest that we don't talk about as often as those three, including maybe even our own. Peace would also be a gift to any number of families, maybe even to your family, where the tension has been running high as the holidays come nearer and nearer and the stresses of life grow heavier and voices seem to be raised a little bit more often than normal at each other. Peace would be a gift. Peace would be a gift to any number of lonely souls who are wrestling with tough decisions or addictions that they just can't shake or regrets that haunt them and never go away. So if Jesus comes and says, I come to bring you peace, I come to leave you peace, surely, surely that is good news because that's what we need, isn't it? Some sense of peace. On the face of it, it seems like peace is something like calm and quiet. Perhaps maybe the absence of conflict or trouble Peace is what you have when there's no violence or war, right? Like moments when people are able to get along and tolerate each other or even maybe to think a little bit more inly those moments where a person is free from worry and able to tolerate themselves for a while. On the face of it, that's how we think about peace. That peace is a thing to be managed between you and others within yourself. This is how we talk about peace, but this is not how the Bible talks about peace. The biblical concept of peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom. I'm sure you've heard it. It's often used as a greeting. And the root word of the word shalom does not mean comfort. It means, it means something more like wholeness or fullness. When Jesus says that he comes to give us peace, he means something more like completion. Jesus doesn't come to give you calmness. He comes to make you whole, to make us whole. Jesus comes to make us complete. This is not just the absence of trouble or conflict. It's wounds being healed. It's needs being met, hunger being fed, souls finding rest, injustices being righted, mistakes being forgiven. And we must understand that this you that Jesus speaks when he says, I give you peace, I leave you peace, that you is not singular, that's a y'all. It's plural which means that Jesus isn't interested in our own personal fulfillment as much as he is interested in the fullness and the completeness of each and every one of us. Peace then is never simply an eternal matter and it's never simply a status between seemingly conflicting parties. Your own fullness and completion as a human being is tied up in the fullness and the completion of every other human being with whom we share this world. 
So there is no one of us who can be made truly whole until all of us, all of us are made whole. That is an utterly daunting task because it means that our own shalom in Christ demands that you have to pay attention to the completeness of that estranged sibling of yours who after all these years still can't seem to get their life together. No matter what they do, no matter what you do, or it means you got to pay attention to the completeness of that gentleman you always see walking around town wearing that stained and worn out coat, disheveled hair. He's always talking to himself about things that make very little sense. You are incomplete if he is incomplete. Your completeness is tied up in the orphan child refugee fleeing from the blast of rockets even if you've never seen her face and she seems so very far away another world away if she is incomplete we are all incomplete your shalom even depends on the shalom of your worst of enemies. This then is not the absence of trouble. This is not the absence of conflict. What we're talking about here is not a matter of comfort. It's not a state of mind where you've detached yourselves from things that are toxic and problematic. In fact, it's the exact opposite. The peace of Jesus, the peace that Jesus comes to give requires that you never write off. You never cancel out those things that we'd rather not deal with or talk about because they are heavy or ugly or hard. When you think about peace in this way, you may still wonder, as I'm saying it, whether or not this is still good news. An absence of conflict or trouble, that seems much easier to manage at least for a few moments at a time until it rears its ugly head again. And yet the fullness of life for every human being, even the fullness of life just for yourself, that, that feels exhausting. That feels impossible. It feels like a grand project that requires meticulous attention to detail. It's the kind of work that life is sure to find a way to interrupt and complicate and distract you from over and over and over again. It is certainly the kind of work that you could never hope to accomplish in your own lifetime. And what's even worse, whatever progress you do manage to make in your lifetime is sure to be set back erased, used to patch up a roof, maybe even eventually forgotten. But the peace of Christ is not a peace that you make. It's not a peace that you make with yourself or with others. It is a peace that Christ gives It's a peace that is only given. It's a peace that you can only open your arms and receive. This is not the way the world gives peace. The world tries to make it. The peace that Christ gives comes differently. It comes in the form of a promise. 
a glimpse of a new country by which, in which by the mercy of God, you get to set foot in. And so do I. A kingdom of heaven where everything, everything that is here left unfinished is ultimately made complete. Whole. Shalom. This, you see, is the shalom that we Christians can find when we work on making shalom. It is not us to restore and complete the, the brokenness and the restlessness of the world. That's on God. That's God's job to do. But neither at the same time are we free to ignore the world's trouble and pretend like it's not there. There is peace to be made in all of our lives. And making peace in your life, that life, that takes courage. And the courage to make peace comes from hope. And hope comes from the one who has already given fullness and peace to us all. So every Sunday we start our service by passing the peace of Christ, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, you say, and also with you. Contrary to what you might think, that is not church social hour. I know sometimes it goes on longer than we expect. Believe it or not, it's also not a strategy. It's not a strategy for welcoming new visitors, trying to make people feel welcome in our church so they'll enjoy our church. That's not what it's about either. That moment in the service is actually something very ancient. It's something that's been around in Christian traditions going back centuries and centuries all the way to Scripture. Do you know what it is? It's practice. It's practice. That's why we do it. We practice every day, every Sunday. We practice what we should be doing every day, passing the peace. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It's practice for what you are meant to do when you step outside those doors. What you are meant to do is take the shalom that you receive here, the hope of completeness that you receive here, that Christ offers you here, and then you go forth and you share it with a world that desperately could use more peace. And the work will go on. And it will always feel a little unfinished. But there will come a day when all that here is left unfinished will be made. Shalom. Complete. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we ask it. Amen.